Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please also go to our website for more information, johnwarrenmedia.com. Feel free to send along an email to john at johnwarrenmedia.com. Well, today is a very special episode of uh, Relentless Truth. We are in the middle of a series that I don't typically do uh, on the book of Romans, Paul's epistle to the church at Rome. And as I mentioned last time, we're going to interrupt that series because we have a special guest. Her name is Sharla Elton. I mentioned her last time. This story you're going to hear today uh, is an incredible one, and and uh, we're just going to sort of talk through it. I met Sharla about five years ago, almost exactly five years ago, at a school called Heritage Christian School, where she serves as superintendent. Her education includes an MBA and a Bachelor of Science degree, both from the University of Akron. She lives in the Canton, Ohio area. I'm going to let her tell you about she and her husband and their life. Sharla, welcome. It is good to have you here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. All right. So I uh, oversold you last time and talked at the end of the last episode of Relentless Truth about this amazing school called Heritage Christian School. Mm-hmm. And I I really just would love it if you would start by talking about yourself, not not something you tend to do, but I want this audience to get to know you first. So Talk about your uh, background and, and, and your, your healthcare experience, your accounting experience, those kinds of things, and your family, if you would, just for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, my husband, Jeff, is awesome. And um, we have a large extended family, no children of our own. However, we have a bajillion nieces and nephews and now even great nieces or nephews, uh, even though my sister says we have to come up with a new name for that because it makes us feel too old. (laughs) Um, But a great family here locally. I had started working out and, uh, you know, picking finance as a major. And I thought I was going to go make widgets. I thought I was going to go and work for a manufacturing company or someone else locally. And I was going to, you know, bring in the big bucks because isn't that why you work uh, as a teenager? You, You think these things. So definitely started, you know, down that track and applied to different organizations and found myself working for a governmental entity. And what I really loved was the connection to mission and the community and went back for my MBA and started working for the local hospital. So worked in a variety of capacities there, started out in the finance department and then uh, moved into some management roles and Really loved the connection, again, to mission work, et cetera. Had a good career path. I liked the people I worked for. liked the people who worked for me. Thought I would probably have my whole career there. The fabulous woman I, I worked for, uh, Vicki Haynes, she loved for her managers to get involved in the community. 
And one day she said, Charlotte, would you want to serve on the board of Heritage Christian School? And I said, absolutely. I went to kindergarten there. So rewind back a long time ago, I had come to kindergarten at Heritage Christian School and um, before then going to public schools the rest of my education. So I I said, sure. I forgot about that detail. Yeah. So I said, absolutely. I went to kindergarten there. Heritage is only about two blocks away from the hospital I was working at. So every day I was driving practically right by the school. So it was on my mind. Didn't really know much about what was going on at Heritage, anything like that. And um, I decided to be on the board. And um, a couple years had passed. And God has a, a funny sense of humor, I believe, because I remember one board meeting and, and we were talking about a building maintenance matter. And I remember driving away from the school back to work um, at the hospital and thinking, Phew, I'm glad that's not my full time problem. <laughs> so uh, funny as it as it goes, I started feeling a while later, I started feeling just in my heart, this tug that said, you're going to be moving. You're going to be leaving the hospital. And I thought, that's weird. Why would, why would I do that? And I started just feeling this sense in in my heart. And I told my husband, I said, Hey, pray about it because I I feel like there's change happening. And Hey, I don't want to miss God. I, you know, I could be missing God completely. So pray with me about it. And over the course of a couple of months, it became more clear. And I'm like, I think I'm going to Heritage. Now, granted, there wasn't a job open at that time. The previous head of school was getting into his older years, but it's not like there was a job opening. And so I told my husband, I'm like, I think I'm going to Heritage. He's like, Heritage? And I'm like, yes, you know, pray with me about this because maybe I've missed God completely. And if so, that's fine because I like my job, but I think I'm going to Heritage. So we kept praying about it, thinking about it. and. The chairman of the board at the time reached out to me several months later. I mean, this was maybe six months later, as we're thinking about it, praying about it, reached out to me and said, would you mind staying after the next board meeting? Didn't ask why. And I didn't ask why. And and I said, sure. And so I didn't know the topic. And I told my husband, he's probably going to talk about me coming to Heritage. Either that or I completely missed God, which I'm still leaving as an option um, for sure. But turns out after that board meeting, he did say that the head of school position was likely to come open soon. And he asked if I would consider applying. And I had told him that already in my heart, I knew that that was what I was supposed to do, but that I was open. I was happy to just continue serving as a board member if I wasn't selected. And I've been at Heritage since 2015 since. Wow. And now I'm thinking of so many tangential details as you're talking would you paint the picture of the history of this town of Canton, Ohio, and the, the surrounding area and the school itself? Can you talk about that for a minute for people who maybe they haven't visited the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is located there, or mm-hmm. uh, some of the other uh, nearby areas? Would you just talk about that for a couple minutes? Absolutely. So Canton, Ohio is an interesting place. Definitely part of the Rust Belt uh, that you hear across America, driven largely by steel and manufacturing um, that slowly lost its its shine, I guess, or, or lost its prominence as, as just the economy and, and all of that changed. Years and years ago, I think um, Canton was more populous thriving. But unfortunately, Canton, Ohio started to have some struggles 
And what you saw was a lot of suburb flight. So the families who could move did. Mm. At least most families did. So you have Canton City, which is uh, the inner core, is struggling. And you have a lot of suburbs, you know, 10, 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away, who are thriving. So people who, you know, want to live in a, in a thriving area, they just move on out. The school has been in Canton, Ohio since, you know, it's founding in the 60s. So we've been here a long time, but the population changed over that time. Maybe we were serving families who could pay tuition. And now where we are located, um, we're right in a neighborhood area that has a lot of um, you know families experiencing poverty. You can see a lot of sad statistics about Canton, about the income. You can see statistics about um, the poverty rates and um, just the, the challenge that the community faces. A lot of... Um, Statistics on crime and violent crime. I think at one point we were the either the first or second most violent city of our size in America, which is not a statistic that we like to hear. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's really sad. The, the drug epidemic and the opioid epidemic certainly has hit our community. And so in Canton, uh, we've seen population decline and unfortunately, um, some folks who you know need the most help and support uh, didn't have many options to go elsewhere. Now, that's not to say that there aren't a lot of fabulous um, people still in here here in Canton. Of course, there are. There are still you know neighborhoods that are thriving more so. There are still um, you know great families here in our community. But uh, overall, the statistics um, paint a little bit of a sad picture, um, but a picture that we're all really working hard to change from the art community to even our school being here centrally located. Uh, we are dedicated to changing that reality. And I believe we are starting to see fruit in that. You know, the, I'm thinking as you're describing Canton, Ohio, I'm, I'm thinking about the first time I visited there. And I just remember it, it is a beautiful place. And, and what I remember is the beautiful people in inside the school uh, that includes board members who we can talk about in a few minutes um it includes your i i, I don't know what she's called a music director is what i would call her it includes some of the students that i got to meet it includes people in the community uh who i was able to meet at uh, lunchtime and uh i got just such a good you know, I visit hundreds of schools and and uh, I uh, get to see uh, all kinds of people, all kinds of settings. But I just remember that experience was was just beautiful and incredibly sad at the same time. I didn't know about the uh, opioid uh, slash drug problem in that in that area. I had heard that all of Ohio has been hit hard by this, but. Um, it was it it was rather obvious, and and I'll, I'll tell you what jumped out at me was some of the billboards directing people to to get help by calling an eight hundred number. There there seemed to be quite a public um, campaign in that regard. And the other thing that stands out, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but a guy named Todd, uh, who we can talk about in a couple minutes, took me uh, on a, a little ride around town which was very helpful. And we drove past a factory that just went mm -hmm. on forever. If I remember correctly and, and, and correct all this, if I get it wrong, but I think they make ball bearings or something. They started out making them for the automobile industry and maybe they still do that at some level. But 
we drove yeah, we drove for mm-hmm. we drove for what felt like miles and this building was on the left side of the car i remember this mm-hmm. driving down the road and it just went on forever and yet around it i saw that that uh economic uh blight is too strong but uh just that you could just feel the challenges that that the community had moved as you just described so i i i wonder if you could just talk about that issue just a little further the the uh economically what what's the biggest city nearby uh just to just to kind of paint the picture a little further for our folks who are listening sure absolutely so jackson township is north of us north canton is north of us um and then even a little bit further north would be akron which might have some similar challenges and then you you get into farm country you know, so to the east and west, you, you've got cows yep. and cattle. So it's a really interesting place where you have, you know, kind of the Canton city center as what you might think of an urban city center area. And then you've got the, the suburbs kind of with the big malls and the nice, you know, plenty of places to eat and shop. I mean, I think our restaurant per capita is through the roof. North of us, if you just go north, you know, five, 10 miles, you can be in a whole different location or you go east or west five or 10 miles and and you can be with the cows. So it is really interesting uh, that reality of uh, kind of these these pockets of need and these uh, pockets of communities with their own distinct cultures, their own distinct personalities. And we have the great joy of really serving all of these pockets of the entire county. Mm. So we're here in Canton. Most of our students do come from the Canton um, area, but we have also students from some of those suburb areas and some of the farm areas. And so what I love about our school is the beautiful diversity that we have. We are actually um, more represented, more represented than the Stark County at large in terms of minority populations, mm-hmm. uh, English language learners. Now we've got a, about 15% of our students are Hispanic or Latino and, and many language learners. And so it's really awesome to see, you know, you have children who've lived on a farm and you have children who have never been to a farm and mm-hmm. you have children who, uh, it's just really, really awesome that we can all um, be together in this school, in this um, really safe place, learning about God and coming together in a way that I think we're only going to see in heaven. Now, yeah, that that was so well said. And and the the building itself, I got to talk about that for a second. It reminds me of my middle school building years, you know, 100 years ago. And it's the old. And if I remember correctly, it has three floors and a basement. Is that right? Yes, it's the old Lincoln High School, it's built in the 20s. Uh, rumor has that it was maybe a middle school at one point and became a high school. Uh, we do use all four floors. We, we're not at full capacity on every single floor. We've got some room um, for growth, which is great because we've been growing. But yeah, I have a real, I have a mostly love, but a little bit of a love-hate relationship with our building just because as, as I'll go through uh, in, as part of our story, there's a lot of deferred maintenance that happens. So now we're playing catch up. So yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, I am very, uh, very close with our plumbers and our electricians and all of the great people who help us to keep this building uh, and now improving it. It's, it's so exciting whenever we accomplish a project like we are right now of renovating bathrooms. It's a little bit frustrating whenever you, you know, are working with a hundred year old building and, you know, you need to do plaster work. It's just yeah. not fun. Well, and just for the listeners, if you go to heritagechristianschool.org, You'll see, uh, I think the first picture that pops up is a is a, a little bit of a picture of a part of the building. And many of you uh, who are older will relate to having gone to school in a setting like that. So, but just to, to segue to talking about the school, uh, Heritage Christian School was actually formed in the 60s, if I remember. Is that is that true? That's right. Yeah, 68. And, and it's a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. I remember... There's a juxtaposition, and I want to be fair to the people in that community because I I met nothing but very kind people uh, through the entire visit. But the warmth inside the school, so it's kind of funny. It's an interesting. It, I, I would I would call it an area in transition, and that that probably happened because of the loss of all those jobs years ago uh, from mm-hmm. from factories and the like. You mentioned that early in the introduction, and and uh, and, and and I I felt really safe there and it's a beautiful place the weather's awesome you have great midwestern values and you know a guy from florida just loves all of that and and uh and the the just the genuine warmth of the people if i remember correctly there's an airport in is it in akron that yeah akron canton right yep, right close yep very few gates nice people you park right there it's just really uh-huh. kind of cool and i i remember pulling up to the school and you have a you have a, a locked doors and a security person, and they took my. I think you and I kind of had a laugh over this. They took took my uh, driver's license, and and I I just got the sense that wow, this is a really secure, safe environment. And I'm sure you have some other security measures, but the the warmth in the school, the the sense of mission, the all of those things. I'm wondering if you could just paint the picture for this audience because I want to I want to talk about how where you are currently in a few minutes but describe if you would your your board your um you've got some key people uh don't want to leave anybody out if we start naming names but your students have just the list of accomplishments is incredible and and I'll just make one one more comment clumsily perhaps about the building for anyone who has seen the movie Hoosier your gym and you have a gym in the basement that looks exactly like one of those old Indiana, Ohio gyms. And because it is, and I was, I was also surprised to learn that if I remember correctly, you provide two or three meals a day for your students as well. So just talk about the school a little bit. I would love for this audience to know more about it. Sure. Yes, we provide free breakfast and free lunch to our students every day. Uh, we do participate in the, the federal meal programs, and we are able to do that for our students, which I think is really an awesome thing to make sure that students aren't complaining that their bellies are hungry uh, when they're trying to learn. And our building, like you say, yes, if you want that vintage experience, you can come and, and see uh, the vintage experience. But we have worked hard uh, to make sure it is updated for, you know, the century and the decade that we're living now. Uh, 
plenty of technology. Uh, sometimes I do hate those wires running across the wall, but, you know, updated for the modern educational environment. So it's kind of a, it's a paradox in many ways of being an old building, but yet updated for today. And what I hope uh, really sticks out to people and what I really want people to feel in our building. And I'm so encouraged when people, you know, point this out to us without me, you know, asking them is we want them to feel welcome and loved. So yes, we have good security. Thankfully, we, our campus is secure um, in contrast to some of the local community statistics. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, really security is pretty boring around here. And in terms of, of our facility, we work to make sure that it, it stays that way. But yeah, we really want people to know that they're loved, that they are welcomed. Um, we are Christians trying our very best to love others like Christ uh, loved. And um, we know that perfection is not something we've attained. And so we know that our families are not going to be um, arriving as, as examples of perfection either. And our goal is to walk together with them. So really taking people where they are, taking children where they are, and all of us growing to the next level and so excited about what the plans that God has for us. That's really our goal. It's a comprehensive view. So, yes, we are happy to feed you food. We are happy to work with a family. We've had our staff has helped families move. Our amazing board has a real on the boots approach to the big questions, which is awesome. Uh, one time, a, a board member in his company, they heard about one of our moms who just went through an unfortunate series of events and, and you know, had got her car broke down and then she couldn't go to work and lost her job and they provided her a car. So it's incredible things that can happen when people come together and um, really try to do that, that best work. Again, we're not perfect. Uh, we do certainly try to do our very best. Uh, we know our kids aren't perfect, but man, it's so exciting to see them, them grow in the Lord. And we really try to have a genuine sense of love and welcome, whether it's the roofers repairing our roof. Um, I heard the cafeteria or excuse me, the, the kitchen manager was crawling up on the roof to bring them coffee in the morning. Oh, well. That to me, that spoke volumes to them about our witness that she's, you know, caring about them in the morning. Well, um, I can tell you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I can tell you that having stood in the hallway when when school lets out at the end of the day and had, you know, several hundred students, uh, maybe maybe not several hundred in that hallway, but lots of students mm -hmm. pass by, you accomplish exactly the goal that you just described. It is the love of Christ that comes across from your board, your your faculty, your staff, and and students. And I know you you say in the next breath it's not perfect, but it is really close to the the New Testament model uh, that that we should ascribe to to uh, glorify God and love our neighbor as ourselves and. As as you were describing all of that, I was thinking about some of the stories. I've just heard anecdotes over these last five years um, about uh, not just that car story that you just mentioned, but you have a. I'm I'm going to call them heroic, and I, and I don't want to go someplace in this conversation that violates any confidence. But um, you you have your your diversity. Um, is is so clear the love in the building is so clear but the love that is demonstrated for students real 
live students and families with needs during the day is astounding. And if you if you feel comfortable doing so, I'd love to just for this audience to hear a couple of those, you know, just from a high level, a couple of those stories, because I, I remember being there one time and and hearing about, you know, adverse events that occurred with a family and and faculty or staff stepped up and even was instrumental in providing housing for for one of your students. Can you just can you just talk about that? Uh, because I, it, it's just it's 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 just not done uh, in other places. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, and it is a beautiful representation of our New Testament mandate. Yes, and um, thank you so much for those kind words, and we're going to try our very best to continue to uh, live up to those as as much as we possibly can. Definitely. So I'll give you um, a couple of examples, and you can stop me uh, if I get going too long here, but there was a, a young lady, and she was a foster child, and she came to this building, and we assessed her academically, and she was very behind. Um, multiple grades behind. The principal would say that she would not even look at her. She looked at the wall during the entire principal interview, which is a concern because obviously then you're wondering how is this child going to come into our school and succeed? You know, if at the high school level, when we had our high school, if, you know, if she's really far behind and might not be able to open up. And um, the principal at the time was was moved with compassion to enroll this student despite those big concerns. And slowly, she became part of the Heritage family. She got involved in some athletics, and the coach found out that, you know, she was a really good athlete. She really became part of a team for the first time. She had that sense of family. Mm. We had an issue where the county in which she was in the foster care system was changing and all of a sudden she was not going to be able to stay at heritage. We put the word out to all of our families. Is anyone by chance registered in a different County to be a foster parent? Lo and behold, one of our preschool parents was registered in that County and agreed to take her as a foster placement which that alone is a, is a miracle. So she was able to stay at Heritage another year, but then she was a little bit older and she decided she was over the foster care system. She had been a part of it her whole life and was just over it. And she emancipated herself from the foster care system, which left her homeless as an adult. She didn't have anywhere to go. And we knew that she still needed a family and our um, business manager at the time and um, our, who was married to another uh, teacher and their chaplain here at the school, they got, um, they went through the process and accepted her into their home. And they finished raising her for the last um, year or two years of her schooling and of her life. And so she wasn't familyless. She can continue at Heritage. So she became the first person in her family to ever graduate high school. That's and awesome. She had a sister also in the foster care system who didn't have as good of outcomes as that. And, and unfortunately, you know, we, we never want that to happen. But we also think that it speaks to the value of 
the experience she was able to get here, what we were able to do. Um, we had a, another young man, and, and this is interesting because he's a twin. So it's almost like a, you know, a case study of, of, of two boys mm-hmm. and found himself homeless and was going to have to move in with relatives in another area and really wanted to stay at Heritage. And in his last years, ended up living with a board member who was able to take him in. And he ended up, a friend actually tricked him into going to the golf tryouts here at Heritage. And Mr. <laughs> Bensel, as you mentioned, has a funny story about that. He just thought he was coming to uh, to tryouts. And this kid didn't even know what he was signing up for and was too bashful to tell him that he actually wasn't there to try out yep. uh, for the golf. And ironically, ended up going to a Christian college on a golf scholarship. He graduated with a business degree and is heading to Texas right now after his college to take a, a nice job with a CPA firm. Wow. So, uh, and I don't know exactly what his twin brother is doing, but uh, the differences are, are stark there mm. uh, on, on their experiences. So, and, and, you know, those are kind of the big stories, but we've got little stories every day. I was just looking at one of our students and when she was in preschool, I had conversations with mom and dad about, I'm not sure she's going to make it. Um, her her um, behavior was really tough, was really challenging. And, and mom and dad said, what do we do? We're, we're trying to do everything. I said, let's just keep doing it. Let's just keep doing, getting the counseling, getting the, doing all the things we need to do. And here, I was just thinking of that because three years later, not a single problem with that child, never in trouble, never a problem. And there are just so many cases like that. Mm-hmm. We could go through story after story after story. I could uh, tell you of the children who have changed in little ways and big ways, families who have changed, families who have come here crying. Um, one one family told our, our preschool director, she came in and she was uh, very upset. She needed money for something. I forget what had happened to her. And I think the preschool director just had $10 on her and handed it to her. Maybe it was 20 and to her, she said, you know, I went to a local church and I, I asked them for help. And this is no shame to local churches because I'm sure they get hit up all the time and they don't know families. Yep. But she said, they, uh, the mom said, they, they couldn't help me. They wouldn't help me. And she said, I was so upset about that. And she's not a, a believer, um, maybe just a baby believer, but she just felt so rejected that in her time of need, and just that simple $10 or $20 from our preschool director who cried with her and prayed with her and gave her 10 or $20, that was the witness that she needed in that tough season. And so, like I say, uh, I could go on about, I'm a little bit biased because I, I think our babies are the best. I, I, um, you know, I don't think you are biased. I think you just tell the story well, and, and you could go on, couldn't you, for, I, I mean, we could literally talk the rest of the day about those stories and you've been there for enough of them that we could fill hours talking about families and children. Couldn't we? Yes. It's really, I, I serve on the board of a Christian school, a circle Christian school in Orlando and uh, has uh, 900 or so students. And wow. uh, we we've got, uh, I, I get to teach a couple of classes there. We use block scheduling. And so it's a wonderful ministry to diverse uh, student body, lots of families. And in the other work that I do, the consulting work that I do with schools across the country, I get to, I, I get to kind of see one of everything, but I, I honestly have 
have never experienced a school like Heritage that is engaged mm-hmm. in a in a and, and I I've worked with a, a school in the Bronx, uh, a, mm-hmm. a school in inner city Chicago, um, and and others, but this particular school is finding ways to love the community, and we could go on and on, but I want to, so, so all of that was the introduction. <laughs> yeah. and, and now, now, now that we're, now, now that we're past, uh, kind of setting the stage, I'd love Sharla, if you would talk about, uh, you, you, you called me last week to give me an update. Now, now I, I meet schools kind of for two primary reasons. I mean, I kind of get engaged on lots of, lots of projects. Most of it relates to uh, financial matters, but one class or group of schools would be really difficult, almost insurmountable financial challenges. And the other is involved in some kind of expansion opportunity and they want me to find funding or help them with, with their funding. And and I do get kind of everything in between, but when we met and I I went back through, uh, since we talked last, I went back through old emails and I, the oldest one I can find is, I think it was during the summer of 2017 we met because your school was experiencing some financial challenges. They they related to the building and and debt on the on the building, and and we don't have to necessarily get in the weeds if you're uncomfortable with that. But you tell the story so well. I'm wondering if you could just talk about that time period, and and I do want to uh, do a quick shout out to Todd Bensel who who. Um, uh, I, I forgot that golf story. <laughs> I've got I've got a few other golf stories of Todd's, and he has been one of those faithful laborers. And I know there are some others, but would you would you just talk about your where your board was at that time and the the events that occurred? Um, and I know there have been many turns in the road, as there always are, and then where you are today. Yes. So let's rewind back to 2015. Walking in this in the door here. Uh, what I saw were some really awesome people really doing some really great work academically. What I also saw, however, on the backside was a little bit of chaos. So um, maybe not the best practices happening in areas like finances and HR, etc. So it felt like a lot of things had to be tackled all at once. and It was a little hard to know which way to go. We had a, a lack of a trustworthy accounting system. We had different people who maybe didn't have accounting expertise who had, you know, created and worked on the system over the years and um, no fraud, nothing like that. Just uh, not 100% sure if the reports we were getting out of the system were really the reports. So a lot of manual reports. We had uh, over-reliance on one donor family uh, who had really stepped up and helped the school uh, the school had been in a kind of a, a struggle pattern, living in a non-healthy way in terms of business practices. Again, nothing wrong with the kids, nothing wrong with the education, but on the business back end, it was not healthy. It wasn't the best practices. Sometimes we were able to pull it off and you know have a profit, and then the next year we'd have a loss, and not a whole lot of planning in terms of long-term um, strategy, how to fix our building, et cetera. Living in a non-healthy way financially was feeling normal. Uh, We owed everyone. We had owed people for a long time, no proper maintenance. And that was was not the the way it's supposed to be, but that was kind of the heritage story in the recent history. I don't know if that had spanned back maybe 10 years or so. 
So the education was going great. Families were cared for. Kids were being loved and taught. But the back end was a, a big concern. And then we had an overreliance, as I mentioned, on one donor family. And there was an athletic decision that was made that upset that donor. And they left mid-year. And we were relying on them way too heavily. We started to do, and we have been doing, all the things that the books tell us to do. Mr. Benzel is our um, development director and, and director of volunteers. He was doing all the things. He was writing the grants. We were doing the building tours. We were bringing people in. Our family base is a little bit different from a lot of Christian schools. So our family base is not our donor base. Maybe um, maybe some grandfathers here and there and some of our families, they are generous uh, with what they had. But, you know, we would look at some private schools to the, the north of us and think, man, at their auction, they sold a cheesecake for $1,000. How does that even happen? <laughs> I mean, I literally remember hearing about a cheesecake that sold for a thousand dollars, and I was like, "We'd be happy if a cheesecake sold for forty dollars." You know, that was just our reality. Yep. So we were doing all the strategies, we were doing all the things, but it, it was not producing what we needed, and we didn't have a backup plan, and we didn't have a savings account, and we owed everyone. And all year we were tracking and, and meeting, you know, with our employees and being, you know, saying, "Here's where the budget." is and here's where we are and what we had done as a board which was not good was we basically saw what we needed saw what we wanted and we looked at our revenue and then we just said well the lord will provide and we put the rest into fundraising so we would say well if the lord will provide we're gonna fundraise xyz and we would backfill the amount we needed into fundraising. So just well, to, that's just very to, dangerous. Just to spell that out real carefully so everybody understands it, I, I do see this all the time, but the cost of educating, if you take this down to a per student, per child accounting number, there's a cost of educating that child. And and I, I've been around your place enough to know that you've you've gotten all the efficiencies out of uh, you know educating a child that you can possibly get. Everybody's working hard, everybody is sacrificing, and you're as efficient. I mean, you could always maybe improve here or there, but for the most part, you're, you're not buying new paper clips is, is, is kind of a good way to say it, I think. And yet the revenue, the, the amount you can charge your families for their students' education is less than the cost of that education. And that gap has to be bridged at some schools by fundraising. Making your school even more unique is the fact that you just said this very quickly, your families and your donor base are not the same people for the most part. Now, your families, what's so beautiful about Heritage Christian School, and I know this sounds like a commercial, but what it just is true. What's so beautiful about your your school is you treat those families like they're valued and valuable and engaged and you don't treat them like, oh, well, we, we can't fundraise with you. Therefore you're not valuable and respected. They are indeed respected and they're, and they're they're They are the school family, but you have to, your point was you have to go elsewhere to find donors. And mm-hmm. if you don't find donors in this period that we're talking about, then your budget is upside down. You have red numbers. You have you have a net loss instead of net income. Did I just oversimplify that, or is that kind of is that, is that? I think that that's where perfect. It was? Okay. Yeah. No, that's where it was. And to complicate it further, 
which is, it's an awesome opportunity in Ohio that we have scholarships and um, nearly all of our children attend using scholarships. So the parents don't have to pay tuition, um, which is fantastic. That allows us to reduce, you know, those financial barriers. The challenge, however, uh, was especially back then, the scholarships were between, you know, $4,250 or $4,650. So there was no increase in the tuition. Um, if we could increase the tuition, our parents really couldn't uh, pay it anyway. And in some time, and according to some of the rules, we couldn't have collected it anyway. So when we were looking at a cost of potentially at that time, seven or $8,000 per student and getting paid for elementary students, you know, under 5,000 and just a little bit more for high school students, those numbers weren't, weren't penciling. Yep. And you can't press a button and send a blast email to your families and raise a hundred thousand dollars overnight. We, we have never lived in that world. I don't even know what that world would be like. But we were pushing every button that we knew to push. And we were trying, we did all the things, everything that the books tell you to do. We were reading the books and the bottom fell out. The bottom fell out. We didn't have good enough financial reports at the time to really, I don't think, show us how bad of a situation we were in. And we ran out of cash in the middle of the summer. We hit rock bottom. There was no cash. We couldn't pay payroll. We couldn't pay anything. We barely scraped enough together because we still had kids in our summer program. We do summer programs. We we had just enough to keep the water on and the lights on. But other than that, when the health insurance company called and said, can you pay your premiums? And I said, please give us time. Don't cut my people off of their insurance. Yep. You had a building when that we, was had some deferred maintenance that... I mean, you had a list so much. and you had prioritized yeah. that list. And I remember there were, there were, there were some really mission critical things on that list. And you couldn't even mm-hmm. think about that at that, during that period. Couldn't even think about it. Yeah. We, it was just enough to try to survive that summer. And at the time the scholarship wouldn't pay us until October. So here we were in the middle of the summer out of cash with no great prospects. Um, until October. And we did do some layoffs at that point. We did some layoffs, I think, even a little bit before that, seeing what was coming. What we had to do, which was crazy, we had to ask people to work in the summer and wait to be paid. We had to ask them to work for free. We had to hire new candidates to start in August and ask them not to be paid until October. The fact that we survived that summer is miracle number one. That should have been the end of Heritage Christian School. When you run out of cash, complete cash, and you can't pay people for six pays, three months, Mm. it's one thing to miss one pay and then ask people, okay, let's try to pay you back. It's another thing to say, we we won't be able to pay you in the foreseeable future. We will pay you back with 3% interest uh, over time, but we won't be able to pay you the conversations and the frustration and the anger and the, um, all of the pain from really awesome people, some who couldn't stick around just financially could not do it. And some who were just really upset that that's what we were asking them to do, but yet their heart was in this place. Um, just such painful conversations. Mm. But I can tell you, and I mean, we were praying, we were fasting, we were reading the books, we were trying to do everything, and we were sharing, you know, we became more transparent with our community because we were always working on telling the heritage story, but 
at some point it's like, do we do we bear our dirty laundry here? You know, do we do we mm-hmm. hang it out there? That's always difficult. Help? Yep. And and so uh, just sharing the gritty stories. And we reached out to awesome people like John Warren. And I will never forget our conversation because we were in the depths of this. And I was literally talking to him in the art room because it was a private area pacing back and forth and back and forth. And just talking about, um, you know, what was going on. And I remember you saying, and I'm just so thankful, okay, how much debt do you have? And I'm like, oh, just a little over a half or a half million, you know, around dollars $600,000. And I remember you saying, oh, okay, that's not that bad. And because <laughs> to me, it was horrible. And, but I remember you saying, you know, this defaulting on payroll situation is unique. I've never heard of that before. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Um, but That's I just true. remember you, it, it was such an encouraging moment because you were like, yes, other schools have gone through this. Other schools have found a way out. And in that moment, that was uh, some divine encouragement, uh, words from the Lord being his hands and feet to our school because we needed that encouragement. Well, I, I did the easy part and what I was about, and I'm thankful, and I really appreciate you saying that. You mentioned that a few days ago when we talked on the phone. I love getting those calls years later to hear, hey, this made a difference, and look what God has done. Now, I will tell this audience that all the rest of us would have quit and gone home at this stage. The tenacity of these people, and Charla, you you and your board and others deserve lots of credit for being faithful, and this audience can hear that you are faithful to the gospel, to gospel ministry, and that is your that is the driving force behind this work. But most people, humanly, would have uh, raised the white flag and given up. And you were you were determined. I didn't know whether you were going to mention the amount of the debt, but since you did, I will tell you that. What I was simply doing is looking at this big, and what I saw in your building was a beautiful building because it looks like a school. And so many schools have, you know, smaller kind of, a lot of them have uh, these portable classrooms and, and they do what they have to do to get by. But in your case, you, you have what looks like on the surface, at least to a stranger walking up that, that big stairway in front, a gorgeous um, school building. And I, I still say that about that building. Mm-hmm. Now, now it does have lots of, you know, it's hundred years old, has all that deferred maintenance. And, um, I, and we could, we could make a list of, of, of those things. Some of those things probably still aren't perfectly attended to, but I just remember, remember thinking a lot of boards of directors when they get to that stage have layered on so much debt. And I really hadn't seen the, the missed payroll. I've seen some of that, but not to the extent that you did. and, and you just wouldn't quit. And and I don't mean just you, Charla. I mean others. Just uh, all of you said, uh, we're going to be faithful to this work and see it through. And that's really when the adversity started, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what, what Talk about what happened from that point forward. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I really echo your comment. Um, there's nothing I can do to uh, run this full school alone. It's only because of the dedicated people who still showed up at work every day. Oh, my goodness. And still, you know, decided to that they were going to be here and be in it. And that is the reason why that was not the end of Heritage Christian School. It's because of the people in that season who said, we're still coming back. We believe in this work. We believe in what what's happening here. And it's just that, like I say, that was a miracle that God had prompted their hearts to do that because, it, you know, it's, it's, it's actually mind boggling to think about. It's mind boggling to think about that many people committing to staying out of school and not being paid when the future was so uncertain. I mean, it was just, oh. okay, we're in a hot mess. What are we going to do? And they had this look about them that, that says, they're very courteous. They're very kind. They appreciate, you know, outsiders coming for the tour and all that. And and I, I remember some students were practicing a song and they, they sang a song for me. And I, I remember meeting a lot of those, those dedicated professionals you're talking about. And they, they, but they have a certain, please get out of my way. I've got work to do. You know, it, it's a, it's a, please step aside now. It's a, it's an intensity. It's a commitment to, to getting it done. And in a school like yours, and, and it should be this way in all of them, but that is absolutely required. And, and we, can, we can talk about that uh, maybe more another time. But talk about what, what happened um, from, from that point um, uh, forward and then what exactly prompted you to contact me last week. Sure. So there was no instant miracle. Uh, we were praying for an instant miracle. We were praying for a big donor. We were praying for an out. And there was no instant miracle. And that was painful. And I remember being in my car driving home and crying out to God and just saying, why we're doing the things we know this is your work. We know this is your mission. Why, why is it so hard? Why isn't it working? And um, I don't, I don't say this um, lightly in any way. It wasn't a booming voice that you hear in your ears. I heard, uh, I feel like God spoke instruction and it was actually a correction. And he said two things. He says, you've gone out in front of me, meaning heritage in general, you've gone out in front of me and then demanded I provide by faith. Um, We, you know, we had made a practice of saying, okay, we're going to do this and sure God will provide. And without seeking him first. And we hadn't been wise in financial practices. We hadn't been using his wisdom about making sure that we know the cost of things before we do them. Um, Making sure that, that we are using our talents properly. And, you know, it really was around the borrowing and the just, you know, trying to, to, you know, steal from Peter to pay Paul, et cetera. And that was a firm moment where we drew the line in the sand, the board, you know, was, was committed and on board to those two things as well, that we are no longer going to go in front of God, that instead we're going to wait till he provides and then we will move. And we are going to do things the right way. And what that actually meant was we had to do massive cuts. And let me tell you, I thought we were as low as we could go at this point. I didn't, think we could cut any deeper. Yep. 
I mean, I thought that we were already beyond below the bone. And whenever I, I remember the, the board asked me to make cuts and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of cuts. And I don't even know where any of it's coming from. And I had, I, I had come back with cuts and I had found them and they said, okay, now double it because that's what it's going to take to live within our means. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to do. We have to live within our means, our real means. Um, not what we hope our means are, but what our means are. And man, that was painful. You know, those cuts, letting go of some of those amazing people was tough. And making some of those changes was very tough. A lot of really grueling times. But I can tell you, little by little, month by month, God sustained us. You had said before that so many boards choose the, oh, I'm going to mess it up now. They choose, they choose the, uh, they choose, the, they choose chronic pain over acute pain, basically. Exactly. If I haven't heard that in my head a million times throughout this process, and I thought, nope, make the cuts that need to be made. Save the patient. You know, don't yep. keep limping along, treating uh, this little thing and this little thing. Instead, save the pa- patient. Make the big cuts that you need to do. You know, just get it done with. And we did. And unfortunately, we did to have do. to cut. It's very hard to do, though. Yes, and we did have to, at that time, cut our middle school and high school. Now, we've since grown back uh, year by year, six, seven, and eight. But slowly, our operational profitability uh, improved. We paid off our bills. We paid off all the bills, with the exception of one. We paid off our past employees. We started turning our losses into annual profits, and God was so faithful. You know, the, the big money that we had been waiting to roll in, that magic check, uh, didn't come. But what did come was a lot of faithful people giving and sustaining the whole way through in that growing. And uh, it really, it was working. But we had one last remaining issue, and that was our mortgage. We had a mortgage and a line of credit with a traditional bank. And throughout this process of running dry on cash, we were talking to our banking manager. Um, we had offered some buyouts, just some cash buyouts. Can you, you know, reduce the amounts out that we owe and, and take a lower amount? Maybe we can scrape it together through some generous, you know, uh, individuals who maybe would want to buy the note, et cetera. We were working for several years and we finally were at the place where we had gotten other things cleaned up. We had told them we don't, we're not going to pay our, our mortgage until we get our employees paid back. We feel like they need paid back first. Yeah. So we were finally, so just, just to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to, just to paint this picture clearly without getting into all the, the bank jargon, the, uh, this is a, a workout now and you're talking to your banker about all of your challenges and your bank is thinking, Will they make it or not? Are we going to have to foreclose? And that's when you got to the point where you said, we, we've got to pay these other things off. We can't pay you right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly right. And how, so long, we, how long did that go on for? That went on for a couple of years. And we kept trying to negotiate to try to come to terms because, listen, we're Christians. We are faithful uh, to our obligation. We didn't have the means to resolve it right then, but we wanted to come to a resolution. But unfortunately, we were not able to come to terms um, with the bank. But we were just right at the cusp of being able to continue pick up making those those payments to the bank again. And our loan officer, who we had been working so close closely with, or our account manager, he went on vacation and the commercial bank sold our note to a person who I can only call a loan flipper. 
Yep. Or a, a purchaser of distressed debt. Yep. There are lots of those people out there. And, and I got a call one day saying uh, our loan has been sold. Mm-hmm. And then, then and, what happened? Yeah. So we, again, started to work, uh, try to work with this gentleman saying, hey, let's come to a resolution. The only resolution that this gentleman wanted was all the money now. Well, that was not doable. We had been through too much. We had come too far. We had seen too much progress to ever put the school in a financial risk scenario like that again. And so we had tried to negotiate with this gentleman for years. And unfortunately, we're not able to do so. And he filed a foreclosure on our building. Um, and this is after that- this is after you've taken care of all these other debts and brought everything current and done all these, all this cutting and kind of everything else you needed to do. And now this adversity hits. Yes. I mean, our student body was growing. All of our other bills were paid. Praise God. All of our other bills were paid. We were profitable. I remember the day when our CPA told me when she was doing our books and she was, she said, wow, the turnaround. I cried in my office. Okay. As, as an accountant, financial person, I cried in my office. So thankful to God. So everything had been cleaned up. I mean, uh, we, obviously we, we still are working on our building. That's going to be a continued project. But even that we were maintaining our building. We were calling the plumber, those sorts of things, except this mortgage issue. So now all of a sudden to be slapped with a foreclosure, was really frustrating because it's like, we're, we're done with this. You know, we're through this, but yet we're not. There's mm-hmm. this one last issue. And so then, you know, we, we start to really seek God, Lord, you know, what do we do in this situation? Do you have a newer building for us? Do you, you know, and really not hearing anything besides be patient. Well, if you know me, uh, I've learned a lot of patience. It's not my gift. <laughs> <laughs> So what we did then, we turned around and filed a restructuring bankruptcy. And the the funny thing is, we really only had that loan to restructure. And our attorney, who was um, really great, there was a new bankruptcy restructuring law for nonprofits and small organizations like us. He said, this process should be over in three to six months. And for me, I was thrilled to be done with this in three to six months after we had tried to negotiate with this gentleman for years and then tried to negotiate with the bank before that. I thought, fantastic, three to six months will be over. Well, that was about a year and a half ago. And we could not come to terms with this gentleman. He didn't understand necessarily the legal protection that we had, again, wanting that cash now, again, us saying that that's not feasible for the school to, you know, just come up with a a ton of cash. And he said, well, go to your alumni and trying to explain to him who we are and inviting him to our campus, come see firsthand. And it was very frustrating process for a year and a half to go back and forth. And I'll be honest, at times it felt like there was no progress. It Mm -hmm. felt like we were just waiting. And again, 20% growth in students, you know, the prior year. Again, other things looking better, but yet this issue just kept hounding us. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Okay. Well, it's funny just how God works because we had been in a mediation session with this gentleman and after three hours still couldn't come to terms that we both could, uh, would work for both of us. And we didn't 
Now, really did, did he ever did he ever to come to the campus and do a tour of the school? He did not. Mm, okay. He yeah. did not. Yeah, what this just so everybody knows, this is this happens every day in this country. It, it, it especially happens during a bad economy, but there are there's a whole industry of people who buy distressed debt at pennies on the dollar. I I don't know how much he paid, but mm-hmm. you you know, you can buy a dollar's worth of debt for a few pennies usually is how mm-hmm. it works and banks are happy mm-hmm. that they got some recovery and didn't have to foreclose. Mm-hmm. Not for the faint of heart. It's a difficult thing to do, but there are some, uh, let's just say it the nice way, some opportunistic folks out there who who think, well, I paid pennies on the dollar and it's worth so much more than that and I want my profit. I want to be paid in full. Uh-huh. And that's where he was. Absolutely. And we really had exhausted all of our options at that point and and we're really trying to you know every scenario that could keep you up at night we had had thought through the board and i and and the board i just can't tell you how awesome they were in this process just really great people um really trying to to focus on the heart of god in this process and we after the mediation the gentleman asked us well try to go to a commercial bank okay so we did try and they turned us down but our attorney said you know i i have a connection uh, who might have some connections to maybe somebody who maybe could offer some assistance kind of in these cases and hooked us up uh, with a gentleman and his wife. And we invited them to come to our campus. Thankfully, this gentleman and his wife are a believer. They are, came to our Are they uh, wanting to remain an anonymous? I'm not a hundred percent sure since it's still new. So okay. I'll keep them anonymous for now. Yep. Yeah. Good. So they came to our campus. And again, we had had one conversation with this uh, individual before, and they had never had any connection with the school. They lived in the general area, but not in our direct community, you know, a couple hours away. And so came to the school and I didn't hear, I didn't hear anything after that. A week or so passed, reached out, you know, worked on a couple more details and all of a sudden, I got a call that the individual was willing to help. And I was just so excited, didn't know exactly what that looked like, but we needed to firm up a number with uh, the loan holder. We made an offer to the loan holder, which would save us, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, between one and $200,000. And, you know, said, hey, we have an opportunity here. And by the grace of God, the loan holder took it even though prior attempts at coming to a settlement have failed. The loan holder agreed to the reduced amount. So then we had to wait to see if that was going to work for the generous individual to provide us some sort of help. The individual did come back and said that they would provide a loan to us at that reduced amount. And the biggest, you know, icing on the top of this whole miracle is that they would do so at no interest to the school. Mm. So all of a sudden, all of the legal mess we had been through, all of that pain, all of that, those trials in about a week were completely resolved. We, I'm just, I can't even tell you what a miracle that is after such a long process of, of getting this all cleaned up to, for it to be finalized. Now, on top of that, I mean, it just kind of keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? On on top of the, uh, we're not going to charge you any interest, which is 
unheard of. So he, he obviously believes in your mission, right? Yes. He, and, uh, he had told me he just wants to get, he just wants to see kids saved. And I said, deal. Absolutely. Yes. That's, that's what we're committed to as well. Mm. And, um, just so excited. And so now to be looking at a prospect of this, you know, debt being manageable for our school to have our timeline of repaying this debt shortened, cut in half, and then to not have to pay interest on it. Not only that, all of those, uh, the bankruptcy being dissolved, the foreclosure being dissolved, all those legal issues that have bound us, you know, that we were working through dissolved. And now to have clean, you know, we have had clean financial statements for several years to really just see the depth of the destruction that we were in and to see a God's hand to where we are today is nothing short of a modern day miracle. And this individual set a payment amount that works for you, all things continuing to be equal. And Absolutely. It, you've got to pay the debt back, but the there's no interest clock running. And right. and how how long will it take you at the rate that that he agreed to to accept? Making those monthly payments, how how long will it take you before you are entirely debt free? It'll be under ten years. Wow! Now you didn't mention COVID nineteen. <laughs> oh yeah! In, in the middle of all of that, now now I I really I don't want to cut our time short, but I want to, you know, and the and the the miracles that you've experienced, God's faithfulness in in various ways, your faithfulness, your that hearing from God that you described in your car, that's a biblical principle that you're hearing. You know, that mm-hmm. that is it is just beautiful that you had ears to hear. And you're all of the boy, I'm thinking of all the scripture on suffering, how God uses suffering to make us steadfast. What a testimony of God's grace. Most of the people listening to this, and and I've got lots of friends at Christian schools who listen to these uh, podcast episodes, you know, we have to admit we wouldn't have been as resilient. We wouldn't have held on as long. Talk about embracing acute pain over chronic pain. You had both uh, mm-hmm. over, over, mm-hmm. over a long, long period of time. I would say your bank even responded in a way that most banks wouldn't have responded. Most would have actually foreclosed and taken your property from mm-hmm. you. The fact that you still have title to that property and you now have a plan going forward that works is nothing short of a multifaceted miracle. And I know, you know, when you have a board meeting, you got a bunch of sinners in the room. I, I get that because uh, I understand the theology and know the implications of the fall, but wow, are they to be commended and, mm-hmm. and Todd and uh, we should, um, you know, if there are others to name, uh, feel free. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to, uh, I want them to hear their names here. This, this is, uh, mm-hmm. they, they don't do it for personal glory, but, but this is beautiful, but I, but I, a, a beautiful story, but I want to ask this audience, uh, I, I never do this. I, I, I just do a quick thing at the end of each episode to say, Hey, please share, like subscribe and so on. This time, I really want you to share it. I really want everyone to send this. You can go to my website, johnwarrenmedia.com, and uh, you know, cut and paste the uh, the location. Click on this episode, and the, and and then uh, cut and paste it. Send it to 
to friends via email, uh, share it on social media. We're on uh, all the social media platforms and share it with people because I, and I don't, this, this podcast doesn't have sponsors and I, I don't want them. We don't do fundraising of any kind whatsoever. We keep the expenses minimal and we want to tell a story. We want to talk about truth, biblical truth in various forms. You know, we've had an NFL quarterback and we've had a, theo- a couple of theologians and, and kind of everything in between in terms of guests on this podcast. But this one, this Heritage Christian School, this situation is is special. And I, I would, this is outrageous, but I would encourage people to contact you, Sharla, to come to Ohio and, and schedule a tour. <laughs> you, can't, you can't tour the place without crying. Uh, wait, wait, till, wait till school is in session, uh, <laughs> but go, go for a tour. It, it is, it is life changing. And finally, uh, the goal here, my goal, Charlotte didn't ask me to do this and it's probably going to be embarrassed that I said this, but wouldn't it be great if this audience could raise enough money to pay off that debt? And, and I, mm. I don't ever say that. I haven't said yeah. that in 58 episodes of this podcast, but I am convinced that one of the purposes of our meeting five years ago and our even having this conversation today is perhaps that God would choose to bless uh, Heritage Christian School with with some large donations to oh. eliminate this debt. Because unlike a lot of ministries, if and this is true of a lot of ministries as well, but unlike some, you actually have more demand, more need than you can meet. Right. And, True. And so, yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't it be something if you mm-hmm. did you didn't have uh, any any debt at all? Well, we serve a big God, and so I will join you in believing for that. Absolutely, that would be incredible. Well, and and it's not like you're taking a flyer if you write a check to this Heritage Christian School. You can hear Charla's voice, her very measured passion is the way I would say it for this work. She is frugal, (laughs) is a business person who understands accounting, who she is, wakes up every day wanting to see this place thrive. I I like the uh, self-deprecating humor, uh, well, not even humor, but the explanation as you were talking about the fact that you understood accounting and knew what a mess uh, parts of the, uh, the bookkeeping and accounting function were at this school that that is way more common than we we sometimes would I think the average person would realize and so this isn't a place that is dreamy and has this vision that can't be funded this is a place that that has a vision is accomplishing mm-hmm. the vision the mission and mm-hmm. and God has blessed it so that if nobody writes any checks at this point uh, beyond your tuition you're 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 going to operate at break even or better and continue to do this amazing work and that alone encourages me but but I I want this audience to be part of this uh, forward this to friends share it on social media I'm going to ask my producer to share this uh, his his productions to share this with uh, their contacts and ministries around the country I'm going to ask my marketing firm to share it as well and uh, I'm going to going to do some email blasts. My questioning caused you to tell this story in fits and starts because it's a, it's a complicated story, isn't it? But, 
but how beautiful to see God's faithfulness. And I want to acknowledge that yet again, and you did a great job of that in this conversation, but God's faithfulness through the the believers at uh, Heritage Christian School, and clearly he is glorified by this work. And you also said, and I love the way you did this, we're imperfect. <laughs> Wait, mm-hmm. you know, delivery is not perfect. It's, it's, you get children ages, what, four, three or four through three. Yes. Through Three, eighth grade. Yeah, yes. The yeah. middle school years get really interesting. Oh my goodness. Don't they? And you know, I'm involved on the board of the school circle Christian school here. And I, and I teach there, as I said, and I, I love those students and, uh, and yet oh, yeah. all those families and moving parts, uh, it's it's just it's just challenging on this on this fallen earth, and God has placed you in a place geographically placed you in a place that has uh, poverty, it has um, some drug issues, it it, it has uh, all the challenges all the rest of us have, and then some, and yet He has been faithful. So, without all of that rambling, I want to hear some closing thoughts from you. Thank you for telling your story. This is a blessing. Your husband and I have never met, but hearing hearing his support for what this work has done and knowing, I so badly want to name their names, but I won't, some of your board members and, and, and Todd we've mentioned, this is the reason I do that work. This is the reason that I have flown all over the country to almost every state to interface with schools on solving financial matters because I want God's kingdom to be advanced, and I'm thankful to know you and Heritage Christian School. So I don't know whether you have any closing thoughts, but uh, I want this audience to listen to this episode again and hear this story in the context of, of where they are now. Go back and listen again at this amazing story of God's faithfulness and be encouraged. Well, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to tell our story and really to talk about how big our God is and his faithfulness, and a huge thank you, yes, to my husband and my family, and also all of the Heritage family that was here at that time, that's been here since, who's been here through it all, our our employees who have been here 20 and 30 years, and just um, for being the fabric of, of this work. And yeah, we definitely invite everyone to come out, see Heritage in person if you're able, and just so um, thankful for the opportunity to share this great miracle. Well, and I, I'm going to invite you back in a bit to talk about where you are in a few months, if you'll come back, because uh, I, I want this audience to follow Heritage Christian School. Do you guys do, I know you have an excellent website. Are you on social media? Do you update things from time to time? Is there any place else people can go? And that's kind of my last question. And then and then one just tag on question. How, how can they contact someone at your school? If somebody wants to write a check, what do they do? Fantastic. So yes, we are on social media. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I think we have a very small Instagram presence, but Facebook is really primary. You can follow us at HCS Canton, which is C-A-N-T-O-N. So follow us at HCS Canton. Our address is 21076th Street Southwest here in Canton, Ohio. Zip is 44706. People can reach out to me. You can find our information via email or our phone numbers on the website. You can reach out to Todd Bensel. We are pretty easy to get a hold of. So anyone who wants to uh, reach us, 
uh, reach out to us, reach out on Facebook or via email, phone. We are happy to uh, talk to you. And also just really want to thank you, John Warren, for your role in this story as well, giving us that vital encouragement, that vital wisdom at the perfect timing through this process. And, and just thank you for that. And also, again, uh, for this opportunity, would love to come back anytime. Well, thank you. And uh, it, it is a privilege and um, it has, has been my privilege. And I look forward to hearing uh, this, this story's not over and look forward to to seeing what, uh, remembering what God has done and seeing what God does going forward. So folks, I hope you will engage with Heritage Christian School. I was really serious about going there. Uh, you can visit the Pro Football Hall of Fame while you're there. In fact, uh, Todd Bensel is a great uh, tour guide for uh, getting to know the area. It's a special area with special people. It's heartwarming, a great idea for uh for a working vacation, but I, I hope you will uh, follow up uh, with Sharla. Sharla, thank you again. Sharla Elton has been my guest. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Go to my website, and if you forget all the all the ways to contact Heritage and Sharla, contact me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com, and I will pass your inquiry along. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.